Welcome to the Ben Don't Break podcast. I am Aaron Schweitzer, publisher of The Source. I'm joined by Nicole Vulcan, our editor. We are powered by The Source Weekly, Ben's locally owned newspaper. We are glad that you're taking some of your time to listen us, to us chat with the people who shape our local community. One such person is Donna Britt. She is with us today. Food writer, food stylist, recipe tester, cookbook editor, podcast producer and host are a few of the creative hats Donna Brett wears. Donna loves to hike, paddleboard, and spend quality time with family and friends. Oh, and she also collects cookbooks and cast iron cooking vessel. She's a curator of our food newsletter, Cascade Eats, and a regular contributor to our chow section, bringing her delightful recipes and food mm, reviews. That's very sweet. As a fide <laughs> member of the Source eating team, a very important <laughs> job around these parts. Donna was part of the team that helped to select our restaurant of the year for the 2023 Restaurant Guide, which is on stands May 17. She's joining us today so we can all once again talk about our favorite topic, eating and drinking. Donna, thank you for being here. Yummy, and you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I mean, I couldn't pass it up. If we're going to talk about food... I could not pass it up. So thanks for inviting me. Yeah, well, we were, we're, we're all we're doing around the office right now is we're doing the restaurant guide is talking about food. So the podcast for this week was a natural to, uh, to reel you in for. Yeah, and I think we have a lot of really yummy things happening around here. You don't yeah. even have to leave town to enjoy some good food and drink these days. Yeah, mm-hmm. anybody who hears us talk about the restaurant guide knows that for us, it's like we're getting really hungry throughout the whole process. <laughs> just looking at all the listings of every restaurant that exists yeah. in the community. And it's like, oh, I, sh- I forgot about this one. I forgot about that one. So we just want to yeah. talk about food, Donna. I think that's a great idea. It's my favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> so you're, you write here in Bend and, of course, live here. But you have such a varied background in the culinary scene. Tell us a little about mm-hmm. how you got into food writing. Hmm. Well, you know, I think it was just uh, sort of destined from the time I was little. I grew up in the South, and if you are from the South or know anything about Southern culture, food is the centerpiece. So I had a Southern granny, and that means I ate biscuits and fried chicken and cornbread, and it was all about the food. So I grew up loving to eat, always wanted to you know, food was just something that I loved. It was yeah. a part of all the family celebrations and everything. But I wasn't, I didn't even know that there was such a thing as a food writer when I was young. I didn't even realize that I could have done something like culinary school when I was thinking about going to school yeah. and all that. It just wasn't really talked about. It wasn't really popular. Food Network wasn't on yet. So I went into the media and broadcasting. And then over over time and after I'd spent many, 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 many years in the media, it seemed like I would always end up doing something related to food. Maybe it was working on a story or doing a feature or um, I ended up doing a local cooking show here right, at right. one point. I remember. Yeah. And so it was just sort of a natural extension of, of my, my media doings in radio and TV. And then um, back in the um, early to mid 2000s, I guess 2004 to 2014, I was living in Nashville full time, but coming back here, I was producing a radio show there and doing some other things, a lot of uh, working with country music stars, etc. And I produced a show with Kix Brooks of Brooks and Dunn, the country music duo. And it was a weekly countdown show, which was super fun. But Kix is from Louisiana, which is also a big uh, region for food. Sure. And um, we would 
when we were off mic, not recording, what did we talk about? We talked about food and eating and parties, and <laughs> yeah, right. he was just a very festive, fun guy. And when I decided to leave Nashville and come back here full time and leave the countdown, he and I were really good friends. And he kept in touch with me. And one day he goes, I really want to do a cookbook, but I, I, I don't have time and I can't do it by myself. I want you to help me put the pitch together. And I said, OK. And so it took us maybe a year or so to kind of pitch the idea around. And then um, HarperCollins, the W um, arm of HarperCollins mm-hmm. Publishers, uh, decided they wanted to do a cookbooks with a cookbook with kicks, and so I was his co-writer and his editor in the food testing, and that's when I started. That was the first time I did food styling for a photographer, um, which is a whole different world. Right. So it was just that. That's what happened. So that that first cookbook then, that was published nationally. I'd worked in some regional things mm-hmm. and little things before. I just got referred to do other things, and then I thought, well, heck. I love to write and I love food. And uh, when the pandemic hit, I didn't want to be in TV anymore. I just thought, oh, this is a time to segue out of that. Plus, I'm getting really old. And um, and 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 you know, I was I would every once in a while write something for you guys. And mm-hmm. I think Nicole just said, "Do you want to write about food sometimes?" Yeah. And I said, "Well, sure." And then that sort of has led me to doing even more freelance writing with publications around the country and I can be based here and work with you guys mm-hmm. and I like it I like um, I like it a lot because I'm writing and talking about and and interviewing people who are chefs and you know sommeliers and people who yeah. are around food and I just love the culture honestly I and I I think I would have gone to culinary school and probably been a pastry chef had I known that that was an option in your in your line of work is is it I'm sure people want to know is it more eating or writing? Oh, it's more writing about <laughs> it. I mean, not that you don't eat. I mean, that's the. I mean, with the thing. cookbook that you're talking about, I got to imagine you're making a lot of dishes. Yeah, what usually happens with that is that um, typically, if I'm hired to edit and recipe test, I will I will try the. I will, before I do a final um, writing or editing of the recipe, I will try it at least three times to, wow. to make sure that it works. And because sometimes people, you know, they're, they're writing recipes from memory or they're, they got it from their great aunt or mm-hmm. their grandma told them how to do it, but they didn't measure anything. So my point of view is to write it so that the home cook, the person who's buying the cookbook, who probably isn't a professional, um, if they try the recipe, I want it to work for them. Yeah. So um, I, there is eating if I'm working on a cookbook because you, I'm going to do it three times. Usually, even if it's not quite right the first time, it's good enough to eat. Yeah. And um, you know, I have a people who really like to come and eat. And then when you shoot it, so what I do is I test it three times. Then I know how to make it. And then what I like to do, there are all kinds of hacks and tricks when you're food styling. A lot of beautiful food pictures that you see might not be real. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they'll use like glue instead of milk or whatever. Mm -hmm. My thing is that I want, I want when somebody sees a beautiful picture that I've styled and somebody you know, Tambi Lane or whoever I'm working with photographer wise, I want it to be real food. And so 
that's something that's really important to me. So m- most anything you see, if I've had a hand in it, it's it's real food. Right. It might be cold yeah. by the time we shoot it, right? But it will be real food that can be eaten. And that yeah. way too, so when somebody sees the picture, have you ever made something and out of a cookbook and you're like, mine doesn't look anything like this? Yeah. And so you think you failed. failed. And mm-hmm. so to me, I want if somebody makes the recipe. I want it to look like the picture in the book so that they know, oh, I did it. It works. Yeah, I remember I remember being on a food photo shoot one time and they hairsprayed the whole dish. Yeah. They just yeah. took it and glued it together. I was like, disgusting. Yeah. You know? And but, then the, then you throw it away. And that yeah. really bothers me too, all that weight. You have yeah. a lot of waste right. yeah. if you're not careful. But boy, it looked good. I yeah. mean, it was shiny and oh, it's nothing perfect. was moving and they could even like tease things up and down. It's you crazy. Know, and, yeah. It's crazy. And, you know, I found out the hard way, oh, this is why they do all these hacks, because if you ever got pancakes, like if you're shooting pancakes and you want them to look beautiful and fluffy, they're not going to look that way if you made them this morning, you're shooting them this yeah, afternoon. Right. And right. Unless you're trying to cook and shoot at the same time, which is pretty much impossible yeah. unless you have a huge team. So you, you start to realize what, why there are tricks. But it's really fun when you're doing a food shoot if you have – you know, people that are extras and helping and doing things, and then they get to eat it. You shoot it, and then it's like, <laughs> right. hey, you guys can eat this if you want right. to, and that's really fun. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Well, and you've worked on other cookbooks besides the one with Kix Brooks, yeah. some other fun people that we, you know, kind of yeah. household names. Yeah, I would say the next one that probably everybody would, would know the name is, um, it was the Cash Carter Family Cookbook. So I worked on that with John Carter Cash, who's the son of June Carter and Johnny Cash. We got to shoot the photos for that cookbook at the cabin that Johnny built on his Hendersonville you know, farm back in the 70s where he would go and hide out and record and things like that. That was really special. We got to use June Carter's China. That that was a really special book to work on. Yeah, that's just giving me chills right now. It's it really such fun. a cool story. It, it, yeah, and when you're doing it, you know, I remember we, we um, the photographer and I rented an Airbnb back there that had a beautiful kitchen. So I would cook all night and then we would go shoot all day the next day. So we did it in a week. We shot over 100 dishes. And it was, it's like you, you, you're so tired that you're giddy, but we felt like we were in the flow. It was almost like, it was almost like a spiritual experience, as silly as that sounds, but we felt like Johnny and June were looking down going, yeah, okay, absolutely. this is good. For yeah. sure. And I think what's really cool is that you work with a local photographer. You worked with a local yeah. photographer here from Bend for that. And yeah. she also shot our restaurant guide. So she's a great photographer. And here's yeah. the funny thing. Um, it's really what happened. I was looking for a photographer for the cookbook that I did with Kix. And um, the one that was lined up bailed. The, the Nashville one bailed. And so I got a call from the publisher saying, do you know a food photographer? Well, this is, I was just getting into kind of the whole, you know, on the national scene anyway, the whole food writing, food, you know, recipe thing. And I was like, I don't know, let me ask around. And literally, I asked a couple of people in town, I was like, who, is there a food photographer anywhere nearby? And somebody suggested to me, well, Tampi Lane is an awesome photographer. I don't know if she shoots food, but here's her number. So I call her up and I go, hey, my name's Donna. Do you shoot food? And she goes, um, I've shot food. Yeah. And I said, well, send me, send me what you have. She sent me this beautiful picture of this burger that had been in Sunset Magazine and Anyway, she got hired for the job, and I was excited because I thought, oh, gosh, she's local. That means we can do a lot of things here in advance and yada, yada. And she's a great person, and she had a beautiful studio. 
And But come to find out that hamburger was the first time she'd ever shot food. <laughs> and it was a picture she had taken for Jackson's Corner when they won oh, some yeah. award at Sunset Magazine or something. Okay. And she took that picture and it got into Sunset Magazine. And that was, she said, I was, when you asked me if I shot food, I thought, well, I got one picture that was in a magazine. <laughs> <laughs> so I had no idea that she wasn't really a food photographer. And she just... I mean, she just fell right into it. She was a natural, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I know just working with the restaurants that we worked <laughs> with for this guide, they, one of them said to us, oh, we were so glad when you said Tambi was the one that was going to shoot these photos because yeah. we, you know, they want to make sure that food looks good. So Yeah, and another fun Tambi story. And again, we just met. I mean, we talked on the phone, and then a week later, I am showing up at her studio with all of this food. And, you know, I also was going overboard because it was my first time. Time. So I showed up with all these props and all this stuff. I mean, literally, the car was loaded down, and we did it every day for two weeks. And I walk in, and wow. and she has such a great, like, natural, um, I don't know, style. And so I had all this stuff, and I go, okay, well, I brought this and this, and what do you think of this napkin, and how about this plate? And she would go, mm, hang on a minute. And she went into her, like, Mary Poppins bag, and she would pull <laughs> out, like, a rusty cookie sheet or a, a wooden something, and literally – almost all of the props ended up being like random things that yeah. she just had in her studio because she just has that eye and she would think yeah we don't need to shoot that on that plate we need this little rusty thing sit it on that that's gonna look good and it did I was like okay so cool anyway, it's fun yeah I mean kind of what I'm hearing right now is you know for all these aspiring type folks is that a lot of these things just build on one little thing in this Absolutely. industry you get one little piece of experience and then it kind of leads you to the next thing and leads you to the next thing it's not like really a linear path when you're in you know media right or like food and things like that i know food you maybe you have more of a bona fide path if you really want to but yeah, I think for me it was just about being open. I've always been open, and sometimes you, I, you know, I was feeling like, gosh, I'm, I'm kind of really tired of the, um, you know, I had been in, in, in radio and TV, and, you know, worked on national shows and worked on local shows, and it was intense, and, um, you know, it, it, it it's, it's just a, it's a great business to be in, but it's hard business yeah, to be in, sure. And I, I had never really. And there was always writing involved, no matter what I was doing in media. But um, I always enjoyed the writing and felt like I wasn't really getting to focus on it. So this is kind of cool to focus on writing, but yet have it narrowed down into food. I had no idea that any of this was going to happen. It was, it was really about being open. I would say yeah, that's the yeah. thing. Just be open. And if you're interested in something, don't be afraid to be interested in it, you know. I think there's a certain level of courage, though, in your story where, you know, you did, you were you know, you were in a profession you were very good at and a lot of experience in, and you said, heck with it, this is my passion, and you, you know, followed that. There there wasn't a lot of revenue there when you made that decision, no. I can imagine. It was really just what you said. You had a, you always thought this was where you wanted to be, and, and you, you went for it. You know, I was always the person I liked knowing when I was going to get paid. Like, I like a paycheck every two weeks, and I like to know exactly how much money I'm going to have. But at the same time, I wasn't afraid of change. And I think, too, that as I was shifting gears, I had my you know, my, I had my job that was, okay, I'm, I know I'm going to make this much money. Yeah. And even now, it, it can be very sporadic, which can be very nerve-wracking. Um, like, you'll have a project, and it'll be like, oh, gosh, this is a great one. But then you may not have another project that's that lucrative for a while. And I don't 
I don't push it. Um, how do I want to say this? I probably need to do more, but I'm trying to do it at a pace that, you know, that feels good and I'm not mm-hmm. just burning myself out. Because as we get older, um, we probably don't need to burn ourselves out like maybe we did when we were younger. Yeah. You also live in Bend, Oregon, where you like to paddleboard and stuff. I do no. like to have <laughs> a little bit of time. to, And, I, you know, I have dogs and I think the dogs keep me from... You know, they. I have to have time. They're big dogs. I have to have time every day to exercise them, which then forces me to exercise. And it is really, I mean, we do live in a really pretty area. Some people are like, oh, I like Ben in the old days. I mean, I came here in 1988. It was really small. It was a ski town. It was super laid back. But I think it's still great. And there's just so, so much going on. And if even if you all you really want to do is go paddleboard, you can just do that. Yeah, you can still get really good food when you're down paddleboarding then. Well, there's, yes. I mean, we can all agree there's better restaurants here now. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Think about it. I mean, when I first came here, there wasn't too much. There right. was McKenzie's Ore House. Yeah. You know, I moved here the year that Deschutes Brewery opened. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you went downtown, you went to the brewery and, you know, you had. Yeah. So, yeah, the food scene is 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 has really changed. And it's yeah. so many farmers and growers, too. You know, not just the restaurants, but the whole chain, mm-hmm. which I think is cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk a little bit about your recipe writing. Okay. You know, when you when you share these mm-hmm. recipes in Cascades Eats, they, they usually have like these details about your family mm-hmm. background, where you got the recipe and such. And they and that makes them really fun to read. You Thank know? you. Um, so I wanted to see if you'd share with um, our listeners, you know, what goes into creating those recipes, maybe specifically the ones for the eats that you're sharing. You know what? I feel really, really lucky. Here's the funny thing. Um, I've always, always dreamed of writing a cookbook, even before I started working on cookbooks or anything like that. And I, I always had this idea of, of sort of like a merging of a cookbook and a story, like um, almost like a novel with recipes or a, or a memoir with recipes, whatever. You know, we all, I think a lot of creative people, we think, oh, well, one of these days I'm going to write a book. Well, mine was always going to have something to do with food. And then because I always have loved to cook, I've always kept some version of recipes. I, you know, I have a box and notebooks of old recipes from my aunts and my granny and all that when everybody used to handwrite their recipes. But then once I started working on a computer, which was really a long time ago now, I just always would have a folder and I would just uh, throw a recipe in there. And maybe I would uh, have a, put a little note on there or whatever. But what I realized or what I've realized since I've been working on the newsletter, Cascades Eats, is that I actually have a lot of recipes. And every recipe that I've held on to absolutely has a story. Mm-hmm. So it's really fun for me. Usually I try to plan things out a month maybe in advance usually so I'll be sitting there and I'll be looking at a blank month thinking oh what am I going to do so I'll open up my recipe folder and I have them categorized desserts you know main dishes whatever in my own weird um, filing system (laughs) but I'll I'll see a recipe and maybe it's not complete but it's it's enough that I'll say oh yeah or maybe I have one that I really do make all the time and then I'll think well what is the story and then I think because you guys I just have such a great relationship with you guys, and you make me feel like, well, I can just be me. And I'm older, so I f- I'm more comfortable in my skin. And I think, well, I'm just going to say my story behind this, 
and see if it flies. And so far, I don't think anything's gotten rejected. So (laughs) yeah, I mean, I think in, you know, my humble opinion of reading people's work, I think what makes a good food story is the personal kind of touch with something. You know, when we write about a restaurant, I want to hear the backstory of a little bit of those people's story and how they got going and all those things. I want to talk about the menu too and, you know, get into that. I love the backstory. Um, But the backstory, you know, those I, things make the origin human. story. Yeah. yeah. And I think for me, it's always easy for me. It's always been easy for me to share somebody else's story. Like if mm-hmm. I'm going to a restaurant, mm-hmm. and I'm talking to a chef. I, I want to hear every detail of their life. I just love it. I love to hear their story. It's very inspiring. And I love to share their story. What has been harder for me, and Nicole, you've really helped me with this, is that at first I would just think, like, mm, I don't want to share anything about me. So I was a little more sterile in my in my writing. And then you you're a great editor and you give great feedback you'll say oh I like it when you talked about your granny or I like and I thought oh okay so you really have encouraged me to share more of myself and share more of my story mm-hmm. but I, I'm with you I love to hear people's stories mm-hmm. and um, how they came to be doing what they're doing yeah I mean I think it kind of goes to the heart of being a community newspaper right what we're doing here is mm-hmm. sharing each other's stories in a really personal way I mean the, you know, the pool is getting bigger every day. There's more people here, right. but it's still a community newspaper at, at its heart, really. So kind of all fits. And stories are what, I mean, where do you tell stories a lot? It's usually when you're sharing a meal or mm-hmm. a drink. You know, that's when people share, right. Right. which is another reason sure. why I think food is, you know, food and music to me and is love and that's all there is to it that's all we need really <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day we have to eat and if you're if you're sharing a meal and we do have to drink um it, it, and if you're sharing a meal with somebody you're you're going to hear about their day or you're going to hear about who they are or whatever it is i mean even if you're going on a first date with somebody yeah. what do you do you go eat and you hear their story mm-hmm. yeah i think that's one of those things that they all it keeps coming up when they talk about today's trends and family yeah. trends yes. and your fan the family unit and it just goes back to like you know you know we we I certainly grew up you know as crazy as things were you know at 5 30 you were at the dinner table together and you know then 5 30 Aaron I, was, I mean it was you your know, parents I was a kid we don't still do 5 30 <laughs> we pushed it a little bit but, you know as a parent it's later but but still it's eating together you know and that was a thing right. that we you know, as crazy as things get, and you got technology, you got kids on pads and stuff, we'd yep. be like, everything shut off, and you're coming, you know, no phones, no nothing, we're eating dinner, and, you know, I, I think that's what, that is where you get the stories, and you reconnect, and, you know, people who skip over that part, I think, are missing missing out. Well, there's research, research that shows that people who eat together, your, your, your child's going to be better adjusted, yep. your teenagers are going to do better, everybody's yeah. going to do better, and it, it can be tricky, it can be hard, or, you know, my kids, when I was a single mom, and when they were growing up, they my daughter would not eat anything spicy, and the only thing they could ever agree on was a bean and cheese burrito. I can't tell you how many <laughs> bean and cheese burritos. And remember the Italian place that was in the old church on Third Street? Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I can't Before remember the, the name brew of it. place. Was that the yeah, place? Yeah, it was way, way back. Um, whatever. With the it was. red lounge that was downstairs. Yes. With all the red. Oh, what and they is had the name? red and white yeah. checkered tablecloths, but it was in the old Ernesto's. church. Ernesto's. Ernesto's. Yeah. We could go there and get a pizza, yeah. <laughs> but it had to only be a certain kind. It was crazy. And now, you know, now my son's a chef, and my my daughter's in food. I mean, they're they're foodies now. Yeah, but growing up, it was amazing. crazy. That you know, the moment you know, they're so picky, and then. 
I, I say that about my niece. I'm like, you're so picky because I think you're going to be a chef. There you go. Like, you don't <laughs> like anything because you have a, you have a really discerning palate. palate. Not mm-hmm. that you're just a naysayer. Right. <laughs> and, you know, my mom wasn't really a cook. My granny was a cook. My mom was a modern woman getting a career. Yeah. And it was all about the frozen dinners and opening a can. You know, she didn't want to have anything to do with being a farm wife or anything like that. And she's not going to listen to this, so I can talk bad about it. <laughs> she can bake cookies like you wouldn't believe. But she just didn't wasn't right. into cooking. So I started cooking at home sometimes because I didn't want to have, you know. Mac and cheese. Exactly. Donna, in your... In your trends piece, you talk about specifically one kind of restaurant that's really emerging here in Central Oregon. Yes, and I think it's authentic Italian. Um, We had a lot of years where we didn't have very many Italian choices. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We had Yuri Spondati, um, who opened Spondati's over on the west side, a number of years ago. I don't know that everybody knew about him. He was doing a great job. But we didn't have Italian all over. Like, uh, a lot of times you'll go to a town, and that's a prominent restaurant. We didn't really have that choice. And all of a sudden, it seems like in just the last year and a half or two, we've had um, several Italian restaurants pop up. Um, Bosa, Nome, Salute downtown. And they're all doing, I think, a really nice job of not just American, Italian, you know, um, like... um, Eggplant parm. Yeah, exactly. They're doing some authentic Italian Mm -hmm. dishes. And that sort of ties in with a national trend of comfort food. People still want comfort food. And to me, what's more comforting than a a bowl of pasta, I'm, mm-hmm. or, you know right. what I mean? Oh. So it's hitting both of those things for people. Um, so I think that's something that's really happening right now for whatever reason. It's a, And it's a good thing. People are loving it. Yeah. And when you were talking about trends coming out of the pandemic, and I mean, you don't see your friends. You're in this kind of isolation for all these years. I mean, the list of people that you you want to have dinner with, you want to re-engage with, was pretty long. It's going to take just as many years to... You know, yeah. get see all those people again <laughs> over right. dinner, and that's right. uh, you know that's got to be good for the restaurant scene. I think so. I mean, if you try to even go to a restaurant right now in town, oh, yeah. there, it's so funny because you think, where am I? I had I didn't make a reservation, and I can't get in, or they only have room at the bar, and that's that's a new thing for us here. Absolutely, that that's a really something. It's been hard for me to get my brain around. Yeah, every once in a while, someone will call and say they have a reservation at a certain place. I'm like, how? Did you get that? Right. You know, know, and that's certainly like more of a big city phenomenon. It is. Yeah. It is. And I think another another thing people are really wanting to, that people are, we are as a planet as a whole, all of us are thinking about um, um, sustainability. We're thinking about Mother Nature. We're thinking about green things. And restaurants are starting to pay attention and they need to, and they want to, I think, because there has been historically so much waste in that industry and a real disconnect in a lot of ways between ecologically sound practices. So I think, um, Ben, because we're, we're, we're the place we are and we're already sort of ahead of things and we're more progressive, restaurants are really starting to pay attention to that. And the more that they communicate that and are transparent and vocal about it, I think people are really connecting with that and that's also giving that feel of I'm connected to the place like like you were saying yeah my neighborhood place that I go to to go eat yeah I mean it was interesting and you know we have our best of central Oregon readers poll in the summer and the cart that got runner-up for best food cart is a vegan cart yeah you know yeah um 
I thought that was pretty noteworthy. That was toasty that people voted right. the number two. Um, and, you know, for years it was like we had maybe some vegetarian carts. Now we have, you know, a handful of vegan carts even, not just um, those that are, you know, put a little cheese on the menu. So right, that's interesting right. too. It is. And, and, and typically when I've talked to the people who are doing the vegan food, as far as making it, it it's not only it, it, it's not only about maybe somebody's choice for their body and health, but also a, a planet you know a planet choice because it just takes less resources to grow vegetables than it does to grow meat. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so I have a, que- a couple <laughs> questions for you about your personal preferences. Mm, okay. Okay, so what's a food <laughs> that you can never say no to? Nachos. <laughs> And chicken wings. <laughs> I love this about you because you talk about food, you write about all these foods, and then you got like just like the, you know, the most standard like yeah. pub food things yeah. as your favorite. <laughs> well, my son and I did a, my son and I worked on a cookbook for uh, a publisher last year. It's not out yet. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a, a keto cookbook under the Target brand, and it's not out. If it ever comes out, I'll let you know. But we took a road trip together and then went to I have a lake house where I grew up back in Arkansas and we we worked on the cookbook there together in Arkansas and it was really really fun it was the first time as an adult um as my son being an adult that we actually did a project together as professionals and not like mom and son Uh and so I got to know him as a professional chef he got to know me as a professional writer and editor and we had the most amazing time ever but I am just telling you that to say why we were on this road trip. So we were taking this road trip to get back there to work on this book. And we hadn't spent that much time together since he was really young. Um, at least when he, you know, when he's a teenager, we may have been in the car that long, but he was sulking and not talking to me. So yeah. <laughs> we were actually interacting and, it, and I, it was, it was just so great. But we were, we were, you know, he asked me the question that you just asked me. He was like, okay, mom. So, you know, what's your favorite thing? And I was like, nachos and chicken wings. So we actually sought out chicken wings and nachos all across the country driving back there and still talk about some of the epic wings yeah. and nachos that we ate. He thought that was so funny. He goes, oh my God, I was not expecting you to say that. <laughs> yeah. Great. Something unexpected. Okay. Here's the next one. Um, so you're from the South, and is that the genre of food you like the best is Southern food? No, I would say I, I love Southern food just because who doesn't? I mean, yeah. come on. You're It'll using kill you, though. pork fat. I mean, it's <laughs> like there's so much flavor. Right. It's crazy. Um, but I, I don't know that I have a favorite cuisine. What I love about the Northwest, and I've loved this ever since I came out here, is that ingredients out here were so different than they were in the South. You know, I never ate salmon when I was a kid. You know, nobody was making a berry sauce or whatever, unless it was strawberry shortcake or whatever. So... I, I like I like fusion. I like I like creative things. I love all different kinds of flavors. I love vegetables. I love spice. I could probably eat Mexican food every day of my life forever. I don't know why. I just I love it. Um, I'm married to an Italian person, and I I sometimes there's so much pasta and pizza and all the things that they eat <laughs> that it's like oh my gosh. But um, <laughs> Um, no, I mean, it, it, if I'm, I'm probably going to eat fried chicken though at my last meal, but, <laughs> but you know, I'm probably also going to have a big, 
bowl of carbonara pasta carbonara or something like that yeah and nachos and wings I you know whatever but I don't have a favorite I don't think I have a favorite cuisine yeah Yeah, that's hard to ask of a food writer it really I only eat southern food okay no (laughs) and if and if you do say I only eat x then you're I don't know first of all you need to venture out a little bit I think and you're missing out yeah for you gotta sure. be open yeah Donna what's some, what's something that you'd love to see happen on Ben's food scene mm, that's a good question you know I was thinking about I've been thinking about that because I thought okay now we have these lovely authentic Italian restaurants oh. and for years that was sort of missing um, we have a steakhouses coming on you know what I mean yeah. Um, we have a lot of we have a lot of tacos and great margaritas and Aunt margaritas in the berea. How do you say the berea? Berea. See, you say that, and <laughs> then I can't say it. That you know the tacos that you dip in the yummy soup stuff or yeah. sauce. Those mm-hmm. are delicious. Um, and we have we have some Thai food that's fantastic. Yeah, sure. Um, I I think I think though I was thinking probably if I was saying that we're lacking some it's just even more ethnic food just more mm-hmm. more flavors that we're not used to having you yeah. know like we now have yoli the korean restaurant which okim which is that's so great and i i think i would like to see more more mm. flavors from more places but yeah, I'm, I, I'm, i miss my miss a really great ethiopian restaurant yeah i'm with you Aaron. in atlanta yeah see yeah. we don't have that yeah. and so i think those kinds of things that maybe we could even say they're niche but it's just yeah. more ethnic mm-hmm. ethnic food and flavors and um, sometimes I still am not getting exactly what I want seafood-wise, but maybe I just haven't figured out where to find that. I don't mm. know. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's an interesting place where, since we're not on that I-5 corridor, it's I, from what we hear from restaurants, it can be more expensive to get ingredients. Yeah. We're c- relatively close to the coast, but yeah. don't seem to, you know, we do have a few seafood places that can source some really fresh things right. over at Sebastian's and things like that. Yeah, but, yes. It, but, like... If somebody said, "Oh, I want to go out and eat lobster," where would you go? I'm not sure what I would say. And and again, you should it, go to the Corn Islands in Nicaragua and have fun. With <laughs> right? Them. Yeah, my 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 <laughs> thing has always been, "Can you see the ocean?" Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> well, I just I just got back from a, a trip to Europe and I ate um I ate something that I'd never eaten before. And I'm not real squeamish. I don't like organ meats. Like mm. I really I don't yeah. really want to eat any liver or gizzards or anything like that. <laughs> but otherwise, I'm I'm not too squeamish. Um, I'll you know I can do things, but I had octopus like where you could just see this whole tentacle curled up on a plate and my favorite thing was i know it's a, it was a beautiful picture well so, it, the one that's going to on the cover we uh, the really? source restaurant yeah, guide cover is that really yes. yes oh fun from yoli that's awesome so underneath were these potatoes that and i can eat a potato anyway i love potatoes so this was like a, a it was like sliced thinly almost like looked like a potato chip but it was it was it was more soft it was like crispy on the outside but really soft and creamy on the inside i don't know how they did these potatoes but this was my favorite it's part like of the a dish. fancy jojo I, I don't know but thinner thin, thin like jo-jo. a pancake okay just but, a joe but it was they had this you know this octopus arm laying on these potatoes and some green mm. stuff and some kind of sauce and the octopus was kind of a little chewy. It was a mild flavor, but it was just a little chewy for me. And, and it was a little weird to eat a, ten, you know, a tentacle. It really was. But it didn't taste bad. But what I really loved were those potatoes. Mm. Why am I telling you Yeah, sometimes you it's like the, the yeah, the, <laughs> the strange thing, the, the side dish 
that you like more. Yeah, right. The the unexpected thing or the garnish or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, Donna Britt, it has been so much fun getting to talk to you oh. about food. We didn't even get into drinking much, but, you know, we'll save that for another podcast. Okay, let's do it. (laughs) Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Donna.